everybody. I am Marina Malaguti, and I'm your host at Embossed. Embossed is a podcast I've created to highlight women with amazing paths of success here in Chicago. Last year, I set out to interview the only 40 female CTOs in the city, and this year I've expanded to uh, female CEOs and women in politics and government in Chicago. I'm excited to share these interviews with you, and I hope you contact me at www.embossed.io or email me at marina at embossed.io. Hope to see you soon. Jeanette B. Taylor is a Chicago politician and community organizer. She is the alderman of Chicago's 20th Ward, taking office as a member of the Chicago City Council in May 2019. She won an open race to succeed outgoing Alderman Willie Cochran in the 2019 Chicago Aldermaid elections. She is a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. At age 19, she was elected as a member of the local school council for Mollison Elementary School, where her son attended school and served in that position for over 20 years. She has been an organizer at Kenwood Oakland Community Organization and is a member of People United for Action and United Working Families. In 2015, Taylor led a hunger strike that successfully protested the proposed closure of Diet High School. Jeanette is a community organizer with a passion for equality and justice in Chicago and the willingness to continue to represent her ward and neighborhoods. Hey everybody, this is Marina, your host at Unbossed. I'm super excited today to talk with a strong woman in Chicago, elder woman Jeanette Taylor. She's elder woman of the 20th Ward in the city of Chicago. Welcome and thank you for joining me. For having me. How are you? I'm great. I am excited to have this conversation. I was just telling you, I was looking at the stats for elder people in Chicago. Well, we have great African-American representation. I think about 60% of, of you are, are African-American or Black in, in some way, or, or mixed, Latino, could be Latino. Mm -hmm. There's only 20% of you are women. Yeah, this is not an easy space to, to be in. Women are known to you are supposed to support a man and stand behind him and that's why it's that way. And it is not easy for women in politics because either you don't say anything, you're too soft, or you're the angry black woman. And so I'm like that in between. I could cuss you out and smile <laughs> when I say no, it's a no. And so it comes with me. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get into that, because I know it's important for you to acknowledge and talk about the work that uh, black women do not, not only you know in America, but in Chicago specifically, um, would it tell me a little bit about like how did you even get to be an elder? Like, how, how was that about, right? Like, I cannot even I, right now imagine like how to be an elder. Like, I would Google it, like, how to be an elder woman, an elder person. I was a teen mother, I had my first baby when I was 15. By the time I was 19, I had three kids, and so my mother was the CPS clerk at the school. My father drove a cab and worked at the local tavern, and so my mother was just like. You got to get on the PTA and LSC. And I was like, no, them a bunch of bougie people who think they know everything and they make bad decisions. And I didn't want to be bothered. And I never saw young mothers on the LSC. And so my mother was like, you got a kid, you got to do it. So when my baby made it to preschool, I was on the PTA and LSC. But what I found at those meetings was they're talking about everything but educating children. And so imagine your kid going to the same school you went and he has a book that has your name in it. 
that's what was going on at Mollison yes. Elementary. I knew it was wrong. I knew that it wasn't right, but I had all of these. People are paid to tell you you're wrong. And so you think about sometimes LSCs was set up so people could run for office. They're run up so people could tell you no and mystery folks. And I wanted to be on there because I wanted to get the voices of young mothers and women like me who voices are often left out of the conversation. Who knows what's best for me and my child? Me and my child's sister. We spend the majority of the time together. And so why aren't you listening? And so I went through this phase of I worked in retail because I had three children and I needed to provide for them. And I went to LSC meetings because that's what my mother would have me to do. And that was the way I was engaged in the children's education. It was me being part of their lives. And so for the people, for me and the people like break it down for us, because like I am so I want to be more involved and I want to learn. So I'm here to learn from you. What is an LS, LSC, like you're saying, like what is an LSC? An LSC is a local school council. And so okay. Harold Washington, the first black mayor of the city of Chicago said in order for schools to have local accountability, they need local people who run. He understood that CPS is gonna do what it needs to do to make money. But at the school level, they look at us on a spreadsheet. They don't actually know all the children, all the parents, what are the issues. Some kids don't eat unless they come to school. And so he didn't get to see it come alive, but local school councils are the governing body of the school. They decide how discretionary funds are spent and they hire and fire the principal. And for a long time, I didn't even know my role there. I thought the principal, she had a degree, she was a smart person, she know. But in my heart, I'm like, what you saying lady don't make sense. Mm. It does not, it doesn't sit well. Why is it that technology is starting to be in this school doesn't even have computers? Why don't we have new books? Um, we got all of these spaces where the programs for young people, but yeah. I saw different tale in communities that were up north. They had, they had schools that flourished. They had all the supplies and things they needed and we had nothing. We barely could get the district to give us duplicating machines and paper and ink. That's how old I am. So you think about that happening in schools how do you make sure that young people get the supports they need? And if so, principals and teachers, they're employees. You can, I'm not asking you to get fired on your day off. You can't come live with me. And so I'm your secret weapon. You inform me about the things that go on in the building and I push the district. And so I have a history, a long history of fighting with Chicago public schools. Wow. And would you tell me just maybe one thing you remember really fighting for that was either a success or, you know, or, or not as big a success that impacted the school that you were, that your children were in? They wanted to close Mollison Elementary during the Mid-South plan. So Arnie Duncan, who trying to run for mayor, don't do it. And uh, Daly at the time had a Renaissance 2020 plan, which was a plan to close 20 of the 22 schools in my community. So out of 22 schools, you was gonna close 20. Like, no, what's what's the reason? And their reason where your your grades aren't that great. And if you think about all of the schools that were in, it's called Bronzeville now, back then it was the low end. It was the South side. Back then there were like maybe 25 schools and Mollison was always right in the middle. We worked the worst, but we weren't the greatest either. But how are you closing the school that you never honestly support? And so I would go to these meetings. Um, I would meet with every CEO, BEO, network chief, 
and just give them the business. Like, don't come and tell me what young people aren't doing when you haven't provided. And don't tell me you don't got the money because I see you building new schools. Charter was becoming a thing. I see you doing all these things around this one school. And I see the neighborhood changing. We got to remember when they knocked down Chicago housing authorities, they assumed that they would disperse these people from schools. And that's not what happened because what people don't understand is schools are the last stable foundations that we have in the community. It's where young people eat. It's where they get their services. It's where their families are welcome. CPS, of course, threw it all in chaos. But at the time, that's all we have. Yeah. And so young people were traveling two and three hours to come back to the school. And so for a school that's not on their road, for a school where young people know everybody, their love, we ain't got a bunch of scams and sexual stuff going on at the school for a school that is a family to these families. I'm not going to let you take it away. That's and amazing. So I challenged a whole lot of folks on the way, which is how I, I wonder sometimes, like, God, I asked for a rich husband. And then I asked you, could I be older than you going to give me the older and not the rich husband? So, being the creative, we're struggling right now. But I was always in a space to say, that's wrong. That's not what happens in school. I'm there. And just imagine I'm working a full time job. Yes. Um, I'm doing all other things at the time. I've been married three times. I'm beating Elizabeth Taylor, my family. I'll do it again. Um, but I'm, I'm working a full-time job, but I'm also fighting and standing up for young people because I know young people will fix ultimately what we messed up. They yeah. will. They are the future. That's what they are. And so if I'm not fighting for them, then what is this for? Shirley Chisholm says it better than anybody. The rich you pay on earth is service to others. And that's what I've been in my entire life. Beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you for thank you for the work and thank you for fighting for the kids. I I feel the same way. So I I appreciate that so much. And so from there, um, which maybe it, you you get you got interested into participating into community more and more. How did you ever go to the jump? Well, maybe it was not a jump for you, but how did you go into like I'm gonna run for elder woman? So honestly, after the school closing thing or right before it, I wanted to get these LSC trainers because I talk about being on the local school council. If you go to CPS local school council trainers, you come out conf more confused than you went in. It's a baby crying. It's somebody on a cell phone. It's not made to create the real leader that you're supposed to be in the school. It's wow. some watered down position that they want people to just have just to say that they have parent participation. And I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm a Taurus woman and I believe in doing it well. And so I met this brother named G2 Brown. He was a part of an organization called the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know that history, um, Reverend Jesse Jackson and other pastors in the Kenwood Oakland community started Coco before he started Rainbow Push. Wow. And so it was a community organization saying that black people on the south and west side deserve quality health care, grocery stores, and school. So they built King College Prep. They built the Co-Med Clinic. They held this store called One Stop Accountable for selling spoiled meat for a dollar in the middle of the aisle. And so I had known Coco as these rebel rousers and people was like, you know, stay away from Coco. They keep up trouble, but I like good trouble. And so I was all for it. And so when I went to these trainings, they told me my role and taught me my role as an LSC member. And then when the Olympics came, so I lived in Bronzeville when the Olympics came. And what people didn't realize is once the Olympic comes, it destroys cities because it leaves them very vacant. And so this was the community organization fighting against daily 
which we know what type of power Daly had, and the city to say we didn't want it. And when it came to the Olympic Committee coming, they were the only community organization to actually march past them and fight and say, we don't want this in our community, ultimately. And we should thank Coco. We did not get the Olympics because yeah. of Coco. And so we should appreciate them. And so I joined the organization because I've never seen um, Black people be unapologetically Black that nothing but black people worked there. They didn't have a board of white folks. This was everything black. And so I was in a space where I was comfortable and I could be myself. And so they kind of started me on my journey to what I call organizing. So I organized that Mollison, but that's not what I called it. I called it, I'm meeting with the parents to get the info so I could get what they need. I didn't call it organizing. That's not how I thought of it. And so join Coco as a member. Um, in early 2005 and six, my son was shot um, in my community, um, walking past a store in my neighborhood that been there for years. They allowed a young man to get jumped on as he started to come into the store. And then somebody came back and shot up the store and my son happened to be walking past. And when I went to talk to the store owner, he was very disrespectful to me. Like I'm a crying mother. My son made it. There were five people, four people shot that night. My son was the only one to make it. And it was because his friends picked him up and took him to the emergency room. And so when I went to talk to the store owner who'd been in my community for years, like, you don't live here, but you in here. You didn't sent your kids to college and bought houses in the suburbs, but you'll disrespect a woman. And I just couldn't take it. And so Coco helped me get a petition signed so that we have what we call the deleterious impact ordinance, which says store owners are responsible for litter and loitering in front of their stores. And so... Mm -hmm. After that, I wanted to be a part of Coco. Fast forward to President Obama getting Wait, can, I, can I can I just say, Jeanette, I'm so sorry that happened to your kid because I want to make sure that I acknowledge is with kid myself, I I cannot imagine. It was hard, and so he he will be 31. He's baby and a baby. He is fine. He is a good man. Beautiful. The thing of having so, and I guess that's the fork in the road in my life because I've been in the community for long, and the, the people from the neighborhood, the guys, was like, "What you want to do? Nothing." My son is fine. How do we stop this from this cycle of violence from keep going? They were upset because something happened to their kid. I'm upset that something happened to mine, but my kid is alive. And so I, when I took that step, it turned me into a different person. It mm. just it really did because I could easily say go find whoever it was and do what you got to do but that's that's not what mothers do that's not what we do in our communities we exactly I was the big and people I got a lot of flack for it from people who have been my friends that I grew up with like they did that to your son you let them get I'm not letting them get away with anything because they got it they got a creator to deal with they got somebody to deal with my responsibility is to help my son get better and to make him into a man that I could be proud of. And he is definitely that. Absolutely. And so once that was over, President Obama gets into office and he has this program called the Say Yes program, where he gave money to community organizations to hire people. So I got hired from Coco. And when the money ran out, I couldn't leave. I was in love with organizing around housing, having a food pantry, helping parents be as educated as they can about what the school district is supposed to be. Working with youth, it was my first real experience with working with youth in that way. I'd done it at Mollison, but as they mama, I'm mamaing them, I'm helicoptering them. Coco taught me a way to work with youth where youth got their own voice. They know what they need. They just need you to support it. And yeah. so 
I was the parent organizer, then I became the education organizer ultimately, which is a big deal in the organization. Like you get to make these education decisions, you get to take parents. I took parents to DC, I took them to New Orleans, I've taken parents to Newark. I, we've been all over the country to talk about the disinvestment that happens in black and brown communities. And so I kept realizing, and it really it was the hunger strike. So I went on a 30-day hunger strike to save Dyer High School. And I didn't go to 34 days because on the 30th day, my first grandbaby was born. And I wanted to be around to see her. I want, you know, I want to be around to be a nana. I'm a nana. I like yeah. being a nana. Yeah. So my banana was born and I chose to get off because Rami Manuel and Chicago Public Schools was gonna let us die. They didn't care. They they were they were dead bent on mistreating young people in our community and closing the school. And we forced their hand to do what's right. But what I saw was a system set up to destroy black and brown youth. Yes. And I didn't want to organize no more. I didn't. I honestly, after the hunger strike, I kind of disappeared for a couple of months. I think I went on one trip with Coco because I had committed it to it. But I wanted nothing to do with organizing because I felt like it wasn't moving fast enough. Um, parents and young people had done their due diligence. Absolutely. I starved myself to the point where I had to start taking medicine. Um, my first day eating full food, I was sick. Imagine being at home cooking for your kids and going in the room and cry because you can't eat because you're on this hunger strike. And so that's an evil system. That's manufactured misery. That's exactly what they is. And the city that I'm loved and I'm born and bred it in was doing this. Yeah. And they have been doing it for a long time before to actually you feel it. And I felt it on the hunger strike. They had people barbecue where we were on a hunger strike. They sent food there. They had people come fight with us. It was a really, really interesting time. And a lot of that, that time was traumatic for me, and I don't remember it all. So I have to look at pictures. I look at videos because it's a part of my life I wanted to, to black out. Got back to Coco, became their education organizer, and felt like no matter how much fighting we're doing, until we get people who create policy that helps everybody and doesn't hurt a set of folks, we're going to always be fighting. And to be honest, as a black woman, I'm tired of fighting. I got to fight in my house. I got to fight in the schools. I got to fight at work. I got to fight in recreational spaces. Why is it always women? Why, do we, why are we always fighting? And so one day I got up, I went to Coco. And I realized that I wasn't growing anymore. Mm. That I, 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 talking to parents, that was my thing. My, my job was to educate parents, principals, and teachers. I was doing that all day long. It was, it was so easy. I came into a space and people would flock to me. And we would have these conversations and parents were doing what they supposed to do. So I'm like, okay, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And mm. one night I had this conversation with God and he was like, get into politics. I'm like, Y'all, you, you must be smoking weed right now or something. <laughs> politicians make $150,000. They get great dental and health insurance, and they mistreat people the minute after they get election. Hell no. Them lazy good-for-nothings. I don't want to be one. I was forced out of Bronzeville because of gentrification, and I moved to Woodlawn. And once they announced that Obama Presidential Center was going to be there, and President Obama himself told me no, he was not going to sign a community benefits agreement. It was my journey. So I ought to thank the president because he's helped me out a couple of times. He ain't really one of my favorite people, but I, I got to shake the man's hand and thank him. Because if it wasn't for his no 
and the Say Yes program, I don't know that I would be here. So yeah. I'm appreciative of that. And so I ran for office in a race with 21 people. I wasn't ready. Once you started off with 21 people filing for petitions, after a lot of people got knocked off and they actually took me to the highest court to try to get me off the ballot. It was nine, yes, Kevin Bailey. He was the committee man at the time, young guy, aspiring, young Democrat. I, I, I did the work. I'm not talking what I think, I'm talking what I know and what I lived. Yeah. I can get indoors and talk to everyday people. I don't pick and choose who I help or who I yeah. talk to or who I engage with. If you engage with me, I'm engaging with you. I'm yeah. gonna talk to you, you talk to me. And even if you don't, hey, can I get five minutes of your time? This is what me being in the election will do. And it was nine, then it was two, and I was blessed to become the one. Woo! Amazing. Congratulations, obviously. <laughs> you're in a you're you I am I am I am like so proud of seeing women doing the work. Um, and uh, you know, I appreciate you putting in the work and and beating all those guys. Good <laughs> women around me. My mother, my mother was a clerk for CPS for thirty years. My aunt had been a teacher at CPS for twenty years. My mentor is a sister named Jay Travis. She was the executive director of Coco. She is now the executive director of the Midwest Training Academy. Dr. Barbara Ramsby, who wrote the Ella Baker book. Met me at a, a grant right at a grant uh the grantee uh space and I had the book and didn't realize it was her. Um, my aunts, my sisters, my two daughters, my grandbaby. I have all the young women that work in my office. Everybody with the exception of one person is younger than me. And so you, I'm inspired by all these. You all give me hope. Yeah. You all inspire me to keep on moving to get up another day. And don't get me wrong, I want to quit some days. I'll be like, I'm gonna walk down. So my yes. office is. Expressway. I'm like, I'm gonna walk down that expressway and keep walking to my little fat ass get tired because I just didn't have enough. Because justice doesn't move quick enough in this country. We fighting too hard for things that are right as being human beings. It's like when you treat the whales and the dogs better than you treat women of color, we got a real problem in this country. Yes, absolutely. So I get inspired every day when I be like, Lord, I don't know, something, somebody, something happens. That reminds me of why I'm here, and I'm grateful. I, I might not seem grateful. You might see me fussing, but I'm grateful to be in and, and do the people's work. Because who speaks up for the little people? Who speaks up for the women who are voiceless? Who's speaking up for mothers in Latinx neighborhoods and other neighborhoods don't want anything different than what I want? Yeah. We all Absolutely. want the same thing, so why is it so hard to get it? Absolutely. Yes. Because of because of our gender, because of the color of our skin, and you're absolutely right. And I am excited to be able to share stories like yours here on the podcast. And on that point, um, tell me, like, uh, just for people that may be interested, in e even like, I want to encourage more women to run for older women or older people position. Um, what is your overarching responsibilities? Just quickly touch about that. Maybe what is like something that, you know, people don't know about being older people that may be surprising. So to create policy that supports your community and other communities around to make sure that people in the community get civic city services. So your lights going out, the garbage being picked up, grass on vacant lots being cleaned. Um, I'm a social worker because I'm an organizer. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so when people call here like I'm looking for a job or I'm looking for a clinic or I'm looking for an apartment, um, I created a space where we got a Google Doc that helps us get that. And I figure out how to help people navigate the system. But because I'm an organizer, I teach it to my community. Mm-hmm. So my first probably year in office, I was teaching them how to navigate the system because too often we don't get the services and they're not enough for me to learn. I won't always be in this space. Yeah. Um, and so I need to teach it to my community. And so I'm not one of those selfish people that suck up all the information and yeah. I keep it for myself and I delve it out when I feel like I'm being special. No, here is how you get stuff done. Get it done. I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when I got my community behind Absolutely. me. And I want to be a force. I want the community, I want the city to know if you come to the 24 with that crap, you're going to get what you're looking for. <laughs> Don't come here with your justification. Don't come here trying to break us apart. And it's took a while for the community to become that. We are becoming that. And I'm so proud of my community. I'm grateful for the people who cuss me out and the people who bring me a cake. I'm grateful for it all because it makes us a war worth thinking about. It, yeah. it makes us a war people like, we need to do what they're doing in the 20th. And that's all based upon me being an organizer and them being willing to say, I'm going to trust you to organize and get this done. Oh, beautiful. What is something about being the role of being an elder woman that you thought maybe like it was not a thing. And then all of a sudden you got in the seat and you're like, Oh wow. I didn't know. They, they will, they will try to buy you. They will try to make you think you special and that you this amazing person and you don't really have to do anything, but come to meetings and parade wave and kiss babies. No, you got to get your hands dirty. I go out and pick up garbage. I ride my community. I jump out in groups and, and hey, what's going on? I'm mother on people. I, I'm not calling the police on families. I'm figuring out how to support them, how to get them social services. And so people don't think like that. We are very punitive in our community and it's easy to go to their spaces and be humble. They invite you to the events. They roll out the red carpet. They, can I talk to you afterward? Can I donate to you? Hell no. Keep your donations. I need <laughs> you to do what you're supposed to do in my community. You don't keep your place clean. Don't keep it clean. You're going to continue to get tickets. Good luck with it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm in the space. And I've realized why I've gotten it at this late age. Because so I'm like, Lord, at 35, I had all this energy. I'm 45. I <laughs> I full blown menopause. I cried Tom and Jerry. Like, Lord, what was you thinking? But I'm humble. I got it. I ain't impressed with your dinners and your Hilton events and your come sit in my office and here's a 200. I ain't impressed with none of that. Impress me with this garbage is picked up, this grass is cut, and my community is working. That's what I'm impressed with. Yeah. Impress me on raising the minimum wage. Impress me on making a, a cost of living increase for us in Chicago. How we one of the richest cities in the world. We got homeless people living under the damn light ops. Yes. Impress me with taking the money and spending it on something other than police who seem to be shooting and killing us all day long. Yep, absolutely. There's um, there's obviously a lot of topics that are affect your community. And so would you want to tell, I, I would like for you to tell me about your the 20th Ward, about your community. What are some of like the main characteristics of, of the community that you all are, uh, you, uh, uh, are representing? Um, and 
Um, and then we can go into perhaps like what are some of like, what are some of the beautiful things that come out of your community? And then what are some of the issues that you see that are most relevant right now that are affecting the community? So the beautiful thing is across the 20th war, there's some well-organized parts of it. That's beautiful. You want to tell me about you want to tell me about what those are and I well, got wonderful block clubs. There's a sister in the community that I haven't always agreed with. She does play streets. Um, I got a retired firefighter that tells me everything. Who's a part of my community development team? I have elders in back of the yard who speak very little English but love me because I got somebody in my office who speaks Spanish and I make sure I take care of their needs. Yeah. Um, I'm seen in the community. Um, some people didn't like me. Some of the people who I wasn't their choice have now came around and was like, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> yeah. so those, those things excite me. Yeah. Um, and the, your community, tell me, tell me again, just for the audience, what is the areas of Chicago? That so it's Woodlawn, Washington Park, Back of the Yards, New City, Inglewood, and Greater Grand Crossing. So it's a huge ward because it's cut according to the census numbers. And I have a lot of vacant lots in my community, so my population. And I actually lost a lot of population during this last census because I do have a large population of undocumented Latinx folks mm -hmm. and African descendants. So it's, it's a ward that has its challenges, but I, I'll go back to the day after the riots. Mm -hmm. Um, after the Bre Breonna Taylor thing, yeah. or was it George Floyd? It's George always some name. So before I stepped out of my door, and I don't have a lot of business corridors in my ward because this is a community they've just honestly forgotten about it. It hasn't gotten the love and attention it needs. Before I walked out, I stepped out of my door at nine o'clock, my community was already clean. And that's thanks to the wonderful folks in my community. They yeah. pulled up their sleeves, they cleaned up, all I had to supply with them was some garbage bags. I rolled around, I saw, I was like, do y'all need me to do anything? They like, no, you already do it. You stand up and you fight for us. This is the least we could do. And so those are the beautiful things. Like, right. it's like the rolls out the concrete for me. That's what this community means to me. Um, we gotta get out of big ass little you. Mm -hmm. So there's this thing of homeowners against renters. Um, feeling like renters don't have a stake because they rent. I rent because I choose to. I've seen it take people's pay for property because of back taxes or because of fines. And I never wanted that for me, but I've been here almost 12 years. So I have a stake in the community. I want to be here and I don't want to be displaced because now you all want to move to our community. And so working on that and getting people to see that just because you all think differently about an issue doesn't mean we can't get both sides taken care of. Yeah. And so that's been, that's the beauty in it, but that's also the hard work and getting people to believe we could win. We don't believe in this community. We can win. We just oh. we don't. We've seen people come in, make their beautiful campaign promise, and then they don't do shit for four, eight, 20 years. Absolutely. I didn't get into that. I could have stayed in my little community organizing job. I was happy working with the <laughs> and young people. Yeah. They made my day. I, I went home every day laughing about something they did or something that was said. I could have stayed there, but that's not where the creator wanted me. And I'm, 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 we're the leaders we've been waiting on. We always yeah. think it's going to be Al Sharpton or Jesse or somebody big. Yeah. I'm little old Jeanette Taylor from the low end on 45th and Calumet. 
and I'm making it happen for the people that I'm paid to represent. Because I think elected officials forget you pay to represent the people you are, right? You ain't paid to what you think and what you want. You're paid to do to represent the people in the ward. And I think people have forgotten what this job really means. Yeah. And I just won't. Yeah. A few references that I have from a community is the vacant lot project. Um, that $1 vacant lot project. Do you know what that is? Yeah, no, unfortunately. <laughs> I hate it. I can see it from your face. What was, that, what was that all about? It was like they, they sell vacant lots for a dollar or something like that? Yeah, so the city of Chicago wants to get rid of vacant land. And they do it in the craziest ways, not thinking what the fallback is going to be. And so they first, it was supposed to be if you lived in the community, community. or you own property already in the community, you can buy these lots. You buy them for a dollar, you pay the property taxes, and then after five years, you can do what you want to do. A lot of people sold them or now selling them because it's been there five years. Mm. They did make sure people were, because you were supposed to gate them up and keep them clean. People didn't do that. They mm. bought the lots, they sit on them because they realized, you know, the plans for our cities are made 10 and 20 years before you and I ever see them. So they knew some type of boom was coming, so they've been sitting on them. They don't keep them clean. They're allowing people who are out of the country to buy. Like, mm -hmm. just because you own property in my ward don't mean you live here. You're a slumlord. Yeah. I got folks, I got landlords who don't stay in the state of Illinois. And I we've ticketed them to ever. And then they come and go, oh, my address changed. Or I didn't get it. And the city will take away their fines. No, make these people pay. My community should not have to sit in filth. My community should not have to sit in unsafe spaces because this land will move. Well, you move in New York, sell this property and go. Or boy, you move your ass to Chicago and you take care of your property. The city of Chicago gives developers and real estate people way too, too much play. Too much. Way, way. And I, oh, it drives me nuts. But I get them every time. You're going to make sure that the people, that the, it's affordable for what the income is in my community. You're going to make sure that the businesses that you have on this ground flow come from people actually in my community. You're going to make sure you employ the people or you can take another project somewhere else. They're not used to that. They used to say, you know, I got to check for your friends. Oh, no, I'm good. I got enough friends. Don't need to know what's going friends. Yeah. So in that space, the big lot program or the lots for working families has not done what ultimately it wants to do. So it needs some work on it. Okay. And then, but you got to think. We never had these many vacant lots when we were kids. I've never in my lifetime, and I'm an 80s baby. I didn't live in a community where we didn't have one vacant lot on our block. So do you think that speaks to the situation getting worse somehow? People are exiting your neighborhoods? They can't afford to live here. You don't make a living wage. Mm -hmm. There are really no jobs in the city. We don't force businesses who are not from our community, who set up shop here. So I'm talking about them damn corner stores, the little fast food restaurants and the gas stations. They're not forced to hire us or they only hire one person. No, you don't get my support. You don't get my zoning change. You don't get any of that if you're not going to hire the people from our community and you're not going to make sure that MBE and WBE folks, the folks that look like me and are from our community are on these projects. We just got to put our foot down in the city because it's so big, because it's such a metropolis. Don't got the time or the energy to do follow-up. I do. I got all day. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for fighting. Um, 
Another project that um, I was pleased to be introduced to a few years back uh, within the Inglewood, I think, community was a project by Tonika Johnson. I want to do a shout out for her. Do you know the Folded Map Project? Yes. Yeah. And so she did, she has this cool, just a quick parenthesis, she has this cool project where she shows different addresses. One, uh, you can you can probably explain it better than I can, but it's different addresses based on the um, so the south south southern side community, and mm -hmm. then to the northern side of that. Okay, of course, it's really two cities across the street. And you can see the the difference. Difference. Pay the same amount of taxes. It could be the same type of house where they won't pay the same amount of taxes because we know in black and brown communities we're over assessed every time. But that same way that we're over assessed, we can't get the money that a white person could get for our property. And it's the truth. She, she slammed up. She did it. It's the exact truth. We don't get the services. Our grass isn't cut. We don't have the same establishment. Think about this. In a when I was a kid, I never went downtown. Mm -hmm. Never knew what it was like. Didn't even know how to get downtown. Why? Because my community provided everything I needed. And that's been taken away over the last 25 years. So we own none of the institutions we're not a part of any of the conversations to rebuild Chicago. And they always talking about like when the riots, y'all tearing up y'all community. We don't want them here. This, this ain't ours. This is ours. This, this is not ours. Y'all don't allow us. Y'all don't, y'all put too many barriers in the way for us to own the institutions. Yes. You know what you're doing. It's the same thing with the schools. You take away the schools. Those are the last table foundations. You throw a grenade in it. You manufacture the misery. So we have no, no places to go for education. We don't have healthcare systems that take care of us. We don't have mental health services. We don't have youth spaces for young people. And you wonder why 16 year olds is robbing folks. You ain't got nothing to do. And they can't work. You have no summer jobs. You have no youth employment. You have no youth investment period, but youth are always the problem. So I'm gonna need y'all to pick a struggle and a lie that y'all wanna use. Absolutely. But 40% of our budget goes to police. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel safe. Absolutely not. These are not spaces that, I, like, I got to figure out if I'm going to call the police or I'm going to call Pookie and them. And I'm going to go with Pookie and them because Pookie, at least Pookie and them ain't going to shoot me. At least they're going to go, hey, this is not what we do. And so don't tell me that you're working for the betterment of all citizens. When I see, it's like, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. Yeah, absolutely. The actions speak uh, louder than the words. Um, so thank you for shedding light into some of this these topics. Moving into like what we see nowadays and and the, the what's happening right now with COVID. I know you spoke a little bit about it on the news. Um, they you know there's reported statistics in Chicago that say that you know uh, marginalized community Latinx and uh, Black communities are less vaccinated than other neighborhood than other neighborhoods, and then. Um, um, in terms of like COVID rates as well, as it's affected most those areas as well. What is your take on that? And um, who trusts the government? You can't get street cleaning right. You can't pick up garbage. You can't. So I'm gonna trust you to inject me with something that's been here a year and a year and a half. And not that they use Black and Latinx folks for the test dummies. Now, don't get me wrong. I've gotten the vaccination because I've had a scare. Um, a woman named Dr. Maya Brown, who works at Howard Brown, who was one of the clinics, really convinced me. And it took her a while. I work for the government and I don't trust them. 
And so for people that you didn't make sure they had access to testing, now I'm supposed to trust you to give me a vaccination. Mm. Mm, I got to think about it. And you're not, you still are not, all of this money that the government take still has not hit our communities. And so you got all of this money, this CARES Act money to do what's right. You didn't. You didn't put testing in my community. You didn't even make it known to me until after the fact what COVID was and how it affect my community and how to even protect myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm supposed to trust you all of a sudden? No, I, I don't think so. So there is a distrust for government, uh, rightfully so. And while we're all at home listening to your advice about being safe and all of this, we're steady seeing people that look like us get killed on video and you saying comply. You saying they, they should have moved or they should have sat still. But then we see our white counterparts do the exact same thing and nothing happens. And so who am I supposed to trust? Why would I listen to you? I'll take my chances. Hmm. That makes sense. What steps um, do you see your community take in the future in order to like recover even from, from what has been, you know, probably like the impact of COVID and what is happening here? Making sure that they know that I'm fighting and that they need to fight with me. It's not enough for me to go to city hall. I need to take my community with me and telling them what that means. And so we're supposed to get $1.9 billion, I think, or million. That money should be spent on making sure people have places to stay, that we're making sure that we employ the people in the country, because we're going to recover. We are a country of comeback. I promise yeah. you, as much as American that went through in history, and most of it is its own fault. We're the country of comeback is what yeah. I call it. So we're going to recover, but we have to make sure that that recovery includes Black and Latinx folks and young people, or yeah. we're doomed. We're what doomed. Do you, what do you think, like, um, on my audience, what do you think they can do in order to support this effort as well? Is there meetings? Are there petitions? Are there people they should follow? What do you think is one, like a few tips on the best ways to really like try to help? So violence is silence, have these conversations. See too often our, our allies or people who could be allies don't know the issue. They haven't took the time out to learn. They go with the, the few media bits that they hear and that's the end of conversation. Make it your business to want to learn and know. You got access to Google. We got the internet. But we got to go back to old school knocking and having conversations. We don't even talk to each other no more. We do this all day long. This is all we do. That's yeah. not That's not going to tell. Miss Johnson not going to be able to. She ain't even using it. Miss Johnson is a 65-year-old elder in my ward that sit on her porch. And if you come talk to her, she'll talk to you. And she'll tell you, baby, we didn't move back. We moving forward. This is what we used to do back in the day. This is how you can get to move. And so us, us going back to the basics. Mm -hmm. The basics is what will get us there. Yeah, listen to the news, listen to the media, follow that stuff. But take it with a grain of salt. Our walking history is these elders in the community. I got 20 million buildings. I got plenty of elders I could listen to all day long. And I listen and I hear them. Yeah. And while their lived experience is a lot different from mine because remember I'm standing on their shoulders. I'm able to sit here because of the work they did and yeah. going to jail and sitting at the back of the bus and going to the I'm able to do all those things. And so how do I show that appreciation to them? I listen to them. 
and I include in what I'm doing through that work. Mm-hmm. And so we can't be silent on no issues. That's right. another thing. And always this thing of they wanting black folks to take up everybody's issues. We need y'all to help take up ours as well. Like it yeah. goes both ways. Like some things that happening with Asians Americans. I'm sorry that that's happening. But the most mistreated people in this country's history is black folks. Yeah. It just is. And that doesn't take away from the indigenous folks because they had their own thing. But y'all brought us here under force and we've been building y'all country for free. And when we say reparations, it's a problem. No, 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 no. There are a lot of people who are immigrants. They, I was the import. Me and my people were imports. There is a difference. And yes. until we start to have those real conversations about it and just address it, think about this. This country won't even say I'm sorry. Absolutely. I mean, other, other, country, other countries have said I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> America, like, <laughs> suck it up. Get over it. And then wonder why the country is on fire. Mm-hmm. Wonder why people are so angry. Wondering why you can't get young people to listen to you because you haven't listened to them. You haven't listened to women of color. You haven't put us in spaces to change. Are we good enough to raise your kids and clean up your kitchen and cook for you? But that's it. Think about this. Women are changing what happens in this country. And you either going to walk with me or you can go sit down somewhere. You get to choose. Absolutely. So I think like including women, women of color, um, in the conversations and bringing them up to talk about this thing is definitely something that you've you've highlighted that should be one of the things that we should do. Is there anything else um, that like say like a, a person like 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 me like I'm gonna take my example. I'm like I obviously live a a, a, a good life. Like I I don't I I am privileged in in the way that I live. What can I do to help the cause and really beyond like I can I can march, I can support, I can donate. But if I wanted to get a little bit more involved, are there organizations that you suggest they could yeah. join? Enjoy join organizations that you know are doing the work in your community. Mm-hmm. Be a part of those when they are having these rallies in different parts of the community. One of the things that I used to do when I first thought about running office, I used to just go to events around the community. I started door knocking a year before the election every weekend because I wanted to hear what people thought the issue was. I wanted to know. I don't want to create a platform based on what I think, based on my little cushy life. Mm. Like, I, But I know what it's like to feed my kids and go to bed hungry. That's mm. not a reality I should ever face in the richest country in the world. We create Absolutely. our own damn money. Absolutely. And so getting involved, being a part, but also being open to listen. And when I say to you, these are my tears, this are my issues, don't give me that well in my, we ain't talking about you. And see, that's, that's, that's how women have been broken up for so many years. That's why you women say, I'm not a feminist. I'm not this, I'm not that. We know that that, that movement didn't get black women anything. It, it mm-hmm. didn't get us anything. It it got us right back. And so if if we're fighting together, don't cut me out the deal. Make sure we all get it. We should all be able to eat. We should all should have stable housing. We should all be educated. We should all be able to go to a health clinic near you, which is why I was a sister for Sanders. I'm Bernie Sanders all day long. I don't care who they put up in there. So you put up in that Bernie, I, I your public power is BS. You mm-hmm. bullshit. You just really are. We got to make sure that we listen. We and when it comes to black people, we're a trillion dollar spending industry. We ain't saving no money. We buy everything. But you programmed in us 
to like things that you like or things that you don't even you don't even like you you ever see bmw have a commercial you ever see mercedes because their their things sell for themselves it's the same thing with women I, I don't need to have no commercial to tell you who i am listen to what i'm saying i got the lived experience i'm doing the work to make sure that i'm bringing you the authenticity of my community don't shut me out and don't when i raise my voice or i'm pointing my finger or i'm shaking my head no that's because i'm tired of saying the same thing to you i can show you better than i can tell you and that's exactly what's happened in my life i've been told no i've been ignored i haven't been brought to the table when i had brought my own damn chair like and i just got tired of it and so now that i'm here I'm going to pave the way for other young women to be here. Beautiful. And we got to be in these spaces because men don't think that correct. And we can see in the history of who's been the presidents. Mm. How is it that we have all this power and have this money, but only 1% of this country is rich? That's purposely done. Purposely. And they keep us fighting each other because we'll say, oh, your hair is curly, your hair is straight, you a lighter, you a darker. No, you put your pants leg on one leg at a time, just like I do, you go sit on the toilet like I do. We're the same. You ain't no better than me. I'm not no better than you. We are not different. We just well, aren't. just want to live in a country that means that authentic. Yes, well said. Thank you so much. Um, last question for you. What's in store? For Jeanette Taylor in the future, what do you think? Ooh, Are you going to run for something else? I've been asked. I've been asked. Yeah. Let me tell you something. So, guy that helped me get into office when I first met him was a gentleman yeah. named uh, Judge John Steele, and he was an alderman. He wound up becoming a judge. And when I first met with him, he said he met me. I gave him my spiel. He said, "What's your exit plan?" And I was like, "My exit plan." Still, I ain't even in a seat yet. So he saw something in me that I didn't see. Um, and he was just like, Justice is not gonna move fast enough for you. You're gonna be angry a lot of nights. You don't want to take it out on your family. So, what is it that you want to do afterwards? And so for me, it's building a movement of mothers and women who help take care of our communities, period. Um, we talk to be each other's competition. We ain't taught to nurture each other and love each other and appreciate each other for what we have and what we do. Yeah. I want an organization that teaches us that, that's all about women. Definitely if men wanna come, they are more than welcome to join. But this is about helping young mothers and women. Cause I had it for me, just imagine, I'm 19 years old, I got three kids. I gotta drop two off the daycare, I'm dropping one off at school, and then I'm getting on the train to go to school because I gotta be educated as well. I can't educate them if I'm not educated. It was the kid's grandmother, it was my own mother, it was the women in the neighborhood saying, give me them babies, you need a rest, you need a day off. I worked at a bar at night and went to school during the day while my kids was at school, just so I could make sure that they have. That's not a reality that women should have to do. And I don't even drink. So imagine working at a bar and you don't drink. Although, although, although it takes a community to raise children, because I'm super thankful for my, to my partner and, and my family and his mom to really like help with the kids, right? And it takes all of us really. It does. And we gotta think about who is helping the single mother who's lost. So and I tell people this all the time. My father didn't leave us, my father died when I was 13. And so just imagine not. And so me learning to deal and be with men, I had to learn from other people. I did, couldn't really get it from my father. He was gone. And my brother was little at the time. And so 
Everybody, we all need that. And how many women don't have it? I'm tired of this on a strong black woman. I shouldn't have to always have to be a strong woman. I need to be able to cry. I want to be vulnerable. Yeah. I want to tell you I'm scared. I don't want to kill the spider. Hell, I can, but I don't want to. Thank you. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need you, but I want you. Yes. Like in that type of space, in that thought process. And so if we think about community in that way, we change the dynamics. We go back to the basics. We go back to, I can sit on my porch and see all the young people. And I can say to the young person next door, let me catch you sneaking out that door again. I saw you little <laughs> butt up in that house. What you trying to do? Tell me how you feeling. Because we don't get to do that anymore. Yeah. So I just know that that's the type of growing up I had. And if it wasn't for my community, I wouldn't be here. So I'm forever and grateful for the people and my ancestors who look over me. My mother died a month before the primary. And so I was, I could hear my mother saying, you you better win that election. You work hard for this. You've been doing this work. You deserve to be here. Don't let nobody tell you different. And I was told I'm not supposed to be here. I ain't educated enough. I ain't skinny enough. Um, I wear my head natural. It's too short. I don't look woman enough. I was told all these things, but I was like, you could go to hell. You take your, your insecurities because that's your insecurity. What you think about me ain't my problem. Yeah. What I think about me is my problem. So Beautiful. Well, I have to say, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being a woman, an elder woman, a mother, a part of this community. I uh, wish to stay in contact with you for a long time. I hope to build oh, you got my sale number. I, oh, hope, yeah, I, oh, hope yeah. to, I hope to build this community with you and I hope to you see you. have this woman so you're gonna have to do a woman summit. I got it. Young women, older women of all races and let's just talk about the issues and what we feel and how we see each other's different. I believe in having a conversation and I'm there. I'm for it. All right. Women's have, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Women's summit. We used to do a girls conference at Coco where we would bring young ladies from the schools around the ward and talk about what they need. And I promise you, I got a base of women that are around me who know when I'm struggling. I don't even got to call them. They figure it out. My staff, my chiefs of staff have been women. The, Woman that sits at the desk answer the phone. They know when I need a Pepsi. They know when I need a donut. They just they get me, and that keeps me going. And, I, and, and I'm so gonna, that's what women need. I'm gonna be clear about this, and and the reason why we focus on women, to me at least, is because women build community and build everybody else around them. So we're not excluding. We're not excluding everybody and anybody in this conversation. I'm going to tell you this, and I'll end with this. When I was growing up, all I wanted to be was a mother and a wife. I've been a mother five times, and I've been a wife three times. Anything else after that is sprinkles and frosting for me. Amazing. Yes. That's Great. it. I'm a mother. I got a, I got a grandbaby. I'm about to be a new grandmother. My daughter and daughter is <laughs> me. So anything that comes in my life, I'm supposed to be doing, and I appreciate it, and I respectfully take it. And I run with it. Even when I don't understand, I got into this job. There's no book. There is no manual how to be a mother, how to be a woman, how to be an older person. But I've taken those challenges on and I, I run with them. Perfect. I got you. Thank you so much. Also, I'm a fan. I'm a supporter. I hope Thanks. to see you succeed in life. Thank you so much for your time. I don't want to take all of well. you. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a good week. I'll be in touch. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye-bye.